Hi, I'm Joe Hage. I lead the Medical Devices Group on LinkedIn with 350,000 members. And I have the pleasure of being joined today by Patrick Ryan, Steve Ryan, and Ed Papabianca to talk about CrowdCube and how they're using it to further their business objectives. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Joe. Good to be Hi, here. Joe. Thanks, Joe. It's nice to be here. Thank you all. Patrick, we'll start with you. Tell us your role at CrowdCube. So I'm an equity fundraising manager at CrowdCube. Uh, so that means I deal with businesses when they come in the door. Uh, guide them through the, the process of fundraising and, uh, and and help them achieve their funding targets. How long has crowdfunding been around in the UK, Patrick? So uh, rewards-based crowdfunding, uh, much like Kickstarter or Indiegogo in the US, has been around since about 2009-2010. Um, equity crowdfunding um, has been around since 2011. All right, and Crowdcube then joined the fray when? So Crowdcube joined the fray in 2011. Um, we were the first to market with equity crowdfunding. We were actually the first equity crowdfunding platform in the world. Kickstarter and Indiegogo would be uh, what we call rewards-based crowdfunding. So, so essentially what they're offering is unsecured asset finance, right? You, you, you pitch a business, um, you pitch a business idea, sorry, and, uh, and people pay in order to receive rewards in exchange. Uh, you know, some product, uh, you know, access to a film, tickets to your show, whatever it is. In equity crowdfunding, you're offering uh, equity in the company in exchange for the investment. I see. Okay. Well, Ed, we'll, we'll move to you. You are presently doing a crowdfunding on Crowdcube. And tell us a little bit about your business and why a rewards-based crowdfunding program would not make sense for you. Sure. Um, well, my company is Ray Limited. We're developing a technology for the healthcare and life sciences industries, uh, specifically for sterilizing products using a form of ionizing radiation. Uh, the reason that uh, a rewards-based crowdfunding uh, system wouldn't work for a company like Enetray is that because we're developing a, a, an equipment-based technology, there isn't really much that we can, you know, give to uh, our, you know, people who are interested to support the business. Uh, so it is much more typical that we would look to raise equity capital from investors who understand our story and uh, like the opportunity. How do you go about deciding uh, what percent of equity you're giving away and how finally can that be split up among shareholders? I mean, can I give as little as 10 pounds? Yeah, actually, that's probably a good one for Patrick to, uh, to feel because it's a key part of their uh, platform. Okay, Patrick, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So, so yes, you can invest from as little as, as, as 10 pounds. Um, it's open to all categories of investor. Um, the way that works typically is the investment is housed in, in a single investment vehicle, so a nominee structure. So effectively, there's one business on the cap table and all the shareholders are, are beneficiaries of uh, the shares owned by that, uh, that business. And so, so Joe, that, that, that system is actually, again, one of the great appeals for us because although we're attracting uh, an awful lot, we've actually, as of today, have over 160 investors who've contributed to our current campaign. Um, we will only have to deal with Crowdcube as the nominee manager uh, when we have to you know, ask for you know, votes or, or, or communicate things to shareholders and they handle the rest of that distribution for us. But what that also means for us is that as we move forward towards becoming a public company one day, uh, we're already building a base of small, if you will, retail type investors who are gonna be well positioned to help us have liquidity in our shares later on. At what percent of your equity raise complete? How long have you been with Crowdcube? So we launched our offering with Crowdcube publicly just uh, 12 days ago, and we run the campaign for uh, 
30 days, which we might be able to extend if there's a, additional interest and, we, and, and more investors want to come in. Um, so we are look, we set a target for how much we're looking to raise. And the pricing for that we set with some of our existing investors who are supporting the offering. So 160 investors. Patrick, let me ask you, when uh, Ed's program gets funded, will it be as though Crowdcube owns whatever percent he's made available and you'll take care of handling interactions with 160 investors? So, so there's a couple of ways of, of doing it. You can actually list the, the investors directly on your, on, your, on your cap table or yes, you can go by this nominee. Um, in the case of the nominee, it's quite passive the way we operate it. So when it comes to voting and preemption, yes, you go to the nominee and the nominee goes out to the investors. In terms of day-to-day -day investor communications or you know, more like month-to-month -month or quarterly, we'd actually advise you to, to stay in touch with them. The point being, if you, if you raise funds effectively from the right source of people, you'll want to keep engaged with them because they're going to add value and, and be collaborators in the business in, in some shape or form. Steve, if you would, uh, what is your business? And I understand you've yet to list your business on Crowdcube, but you're considering it. So thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us about your funding options, how you came across Crowdcube, and uh, are you ready to go? So, so you still have questions. We're, yeah, we're ready to go, hopefully within the next two weeks. Uh, we've done a fair bit of work towards pulling our pitch together uh, with a bit of assistance from Patrick and some other team members at Crowdcube. Carbon Black System Limited, we've been on the go for a few years. Um, we've got a fantastic product, which is a um, fantastic looking carbon fibre wheelchair that brings lots of benefits to users. Um, it was really well received a few years ago when we first brought it to the marketplace. It got rave reviews, was on the BBC, in the trade press. Um, unfortunately, our biggest challenge has been the chair was too expensive to really penetrate in the marketplace. Um, so we spent the last six months really investing some time and effort to see how we can resolve that problem. And we've actually identified the resolution in terms of moving production elsewhere, changing some design features on the wheelchair to actually make it better. And we've actually made our first couple of wheelchairs um, under this process. And now we're looking for some funding to really roll out the um, manufacturing ability, the assembly facilities, and more than anything, uh, some marketing that we need to do round about it. And that's, uh, that always seems to be the thing that costs the most money, unfortunately. You already have sales, is that right, Steve? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We, we've been selling the chair for a number of years. We just haven't generated the volumes that we would like to really purely as a result of the fact that the chair price has been out of reach of such a big proportion of our potential customer base. And may I ask, what was that original price point? The original price point when the company was launched was £14,500 for a manual wheelchair. Um, we've worked quite hard within certain confines to bring that price down to £10,000 as we were about six months ago. Um, in the UK, the, the premium wheelchair market tends to range between about three and six thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. So we were still well north of that position. So um, our latest project and the cost savings we've introduced and the bit of redesign we've done means that we are now planning to retail at three nine nine five, effectively almost exactly the same looking product with actually some additional benefits in there. So it is a real game changer for us. If I understand you, you're lopping a full ten thousand pounds off the price. Wow, that is game changing. Yeah. So I wonder, 
Um, do you anticipate either you've seen among your present investors or you anticipate among your crowdfunding investors? Going back to the first point we talked about in terms of rewards, I could foresee where somebody might contribute 4,000 pounds to get his own chair, but that's not the way you chose to go. Or is it something you can do in parallel? What are your thoughts about that? And then I'll ask Patrick for his comments. Yeah, we, we actually had a, a conversation today with one of uh, Patrick's colleagues and, and actually had a discussion about some slightly different type of rewards that we might offer because it, it's not easy to offer a product as a reward, but even when the product is £4,000. Um, but basically the two, two slightly ingenious rewards that we've come up with is if you invest over a certain amount, um, you will come to a lunch that we're organising with one of our ambassadors, Kadina Cox, who's a double Paralympic medalist, gold medalist. Um, another, another thing that we're looking at is if you invest over a certain amount, we will actually donate a chair free of charge to a charity, perhaps of your choice. I'm actually in discussion with Help for Heroes just now to see if it would be something that we could do in conjunction with them. So I think we've tried to take a slightly different approach to the rewards than perhaps a more traditional uh, raise might do. And you know, Patrick, you'll probably have seen many different types of rewards offered over the years. And we just thought this was something a little different. Yes, Patrick, talk to us about that. Do you have uh, a couple of examples where it's a bit of a hybrid, where you get equity, but there's also a reward kicker? And do you find that they work better? Uh, yeah, good question, Joe. And I think Steve's hit the nail on the head. It's, it's really about, uh, yes, offering rewards is great. It's, it's usually about offering rewards that are in some way exclusive or, uh, or unavailable to, to other people who, who might be customers of the business. Um, you know, it's about making your investors feel, feel special and, and feel a part of the company where possible. So things you quite often see, uh, if, it's a, if it's a consumer product, or stuff like investor black cards that entice you to, to not always just discounts, but perhaps, uh, for example, if you're running a brewery, it might be uh, you become a, a member of a, of a trialing tasting club for, for new product development um, or a beta tester, that sort of thing. Um, for other companies, it's, um, yeah, dinner with, with founders and, and, and other interesting uh, people connected to the business. Um, but definitely it's something that investors look at and it, and it adds that little bit of uh, something special to the, to the fundraise. It sounds like an attractive marketing option. Patrick, how many um, potential investors do you presently have on Crowdcube? Sure, so we, we have um, about 535,000 people registered on the platform. How uh, many? It's about 535,000 currently. That's wow. registered. So that means they've logged in on Facebook or LinkedIn. We've captured details and, and we're communicating with them by email. And how uh, many of them have ever made, made a, an investment? Yeah, made an investment. That's, that's the key question. So uh, I think the number is now about 110,000. Wow. Mm. And if I understand it, it's all or nothing. Either you hit your goal or nobody contributes anything. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So it's uh, yeah, success only, uh, essentially. Uh, you have a typically people have a minimum funding target, which is you know their, their sort of minimal capital requirements to execute their business plan, um, and then an overfunding target uh, that they'd stretch to, which will allow them to to do you know points D, E, and F alongside points A, B, and C on their business plan, for example. Eddie, what are you finding with your uh, program right now in terms of the kind of interest that you're getting? Do you have um, is it concentrated so, among a few large investors, and then everyone else is just kind of getting yes. alerts? 
there, there's quite a big spread. Um, you know, there are a couple of big chunky investors that you get inevitably, um, but there are an awful lot of uh, a, a large number of very small investors who I'm guessing probably will distribute their investments across a wide number of different companies. Um, but one of the reasons that we're talking to you today, Joe, is because, and one of the reasons that we're on CrowdCube and with crowdfunding now, is that what we're perceiving, and it seems to be getting borne out by the fundraising that we're doing, is that there, in the crowdfunding community, uh, more of an interest for more sophisticated types of businesses. Uh, we have seen a couple of quite technologically advanced companies come into the CrowdCube market and been successful in raising capital. And one of the reasons that we're talking to you is because we're we're interested to make sure that people in the medical device group on LinkedIn uh, can also be aware that this is a way that companies like ours can get funded. And there may be people in your community who are thinking about raising money for a new business idea and hadn't been aware that uh, something like crowdfunding might even be possible for companies like ours. Tell me, um, I wonder if this might be a question for Patrick or for you. I'm here in America. I love your concept. I want to invest. How would I do that? Can I invest in dollars? Do I have to? Maybe this is a Patrick question, so I'll switch to you, Patrick. Sure. So, so the American uh, crowdfunding equity crowdfunding landscape is a little bit com complex. Uh, there was a lot of regulation that came into place in the U.S. on on small investments. I'm sure a lot of your viewers have seen Wolf of Wall Street. So, pr to protect retail investors from from penny stocks um, and, and and an early stage investment uh, in the U.S., you have to be a registered investor with the SEC in order mm -hmm. to invest in startups. Uh, that typically means I think you have to have a net worth of, I think it's over a million dollars or <laughs> an annual take home of uh, over 150K or something like that. Um, now that's just changed recently. Um, so we're now partnering with a company called Seed Invest, which is an American equity crowdfunding platform. And uh, we're, we're looking in some cases at doing dual raises on both platforms. Um, so you can invest via an American vehicle into the British entity or via a British vehicle into the British entity. That's if it's a British company we're racing for. And if so, it's an American company, British investors can invest via Crowdcube into the American vehicle now. So it's important then where the crowdfunding platform is headquartered. Is that right? It's important where the where the entity is, is headquartered. So if retail investors in, in the US want to invest in a company, then the company has to be uh, headquartered in the USA typically Delaware, okay. um, and then they invest via a, a special regulatory framework that they've recently brought in in the U.S., which is called a Reg CF. Um, typically in the U.S., startups are raising money via a Reg D on, on Seed Invest, which is just a different regulatory framework, but that's only open to registered investors. Okay, so um, Ed, let me ask you, so right now I'd like to write a check. I'd like to participate. Can I? And how do um, I do that? Now, it, as, as a, we as a, a UK domiciled company do have US investors already, as you can imagine, as an American, I have some good contacts over in the States. And we do have a number of US-based investors, all of whom have actually completed the same documentation that Patrick was describing to declare themselves as accredited investors. So when it comes to our crowdfunding activity, um, there is a, it's a more complex process, but US-based investors can invest into an X-ray, but they have to fulfill that, those additional paperwork uh, to declare themselves as accredited investors. Right, and then, and then you can use the, the platform. Yes, 
Yeah. Yes. And, and, and then they can use the Crowdcube platform. But like I say, there's more steps that they have to go through. Patrick, will it make sense then for you to have a competitor in each major country? Should there be uh, one for Parisians and one for Romans and one et cetera, et cetera? Um, uh, it, it's, 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 it varies market to market. I mean, in, in the EU, um, different, different, uh, different countries have different uh, regulations around crowdfunding. It's, a, it's very much an alternative finance space. And I'm speaking specifically about equity crowdfunding. Um, and uh, it's quite a recent development. So, so, you know, countries aren't fully up to speed with the way this sort of thing works. Um, what we're doing, I mean, our vision as a company is very much to build a global marketplace for early stage uh, startup investment. You know, we, we'd like to become sort of the, the Amazon for early stage finance, if you will. And, and the vision is really for that to be where possible uh, liquid as much as possible and uh, and very easy to do and for people to be able to invest from as little as 10 pounds and some countries are more forward thinking in those cases so we're working with a lot of spanish companies and quite a few austrian and german companies some scandinavian companies and in those in those countries provided uh their lawyers are happy with things we're able to proceed and the us is a little bit more complex so there we have a partnership with with seed invest often we go we go via uh, seed invest um, and, and we do a dual raise on both platforms. Um, but yeah, it depends. I understand that before you accept a company for investment, you go through a due diligence process. I imagine it's much like any company would do before they choose to invest. Is there a difference? Um, yes, yeah, a good question. So actually the, the due diligence process is, is fairly light uh, compared to what you might experience with say a venture capital firm. Um, you know, our requirements are essentially to start with background checks on the directors, directors and on the um, and on, on the company, make sure there's nothing outstanding in terms of uh, credit against the individuals running the company. Um, and then it's essentially assuring that any claims made in the body text of the, of the pitch are, are verifiable. Um, in terms of in terms of detailed due diligence on, uh, you know, the accounts of the company and that sort of thing. Um, there's, there's, there's a light touch that is done, but um, we, we rely more on, uh, I guess, the, the, the view of the crowd on that. So the, the intelligence of the crowd um, in terms of where the valuation's at, um, in terms of the, 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 the company background, um, the, the details about, about the founders and that sort of thing. You know, we dig into things a little bit. Um, anything that's claimed is verified. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're, not, we're not auditing accounts or anything like that. Fair enough. And Steve, I understand that your participation in Crowdcube is all but certain that Patrick's just doing his due diligence, as he described. Uh, can you tell us how you chose crowdfunding as a viable financing alternative for you? And tell us, please, is it an either or, or can you do all of the things that people typically do and you're just adding this as another way to reach a broader audience? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the first instance, we it was clear to us that we needed to raise more money than we were able to raise from our existing shareholder group. Uh, we've already got a shareholder group, which is a, effectively a small venture capital group based up in the north of Scotland. Um, so it was obvious that what we needed was beyond what they could raise. And we did look at alternatives. We did look to go to another venture capital group. Um, and we did look at Crowdcube and other platforms as a potential option. The reason we chose Crowdcube, um, in the main, was 
that there is definitely a lighter touch on the due diligence. Not going to be anything to hide, but it just takes a little bit of the pain out of it. I think also that certainly in this part of the world, there is limited access to venture capital, and it's very time-driven in terms of you get a one-hit chance when they have their next meeting, and it's either a yes or a no, um, and then you move on. Whereas I think with, with, with Crowdcube, you have the opportunity to get involved with quite a big network so you've got a much bigger audience that might or might not be interested in your business. And then you also have the opportunity to keep that whole thing live. It's not a one hit and people either like it or they don't. You get the opportunity to run a campaign over 30 days. Um, and if that can coincide with some really exciting activity in the business, then you get the chance to relay that as you go, rather than just have that one hit wonder that's either a yes or a no. That's so a I think those point. two things did certainly attract us towards Crowdcube. I think the process itself has actually been quite an enlightening process as well because it does force you to think really carefully about how you're selling the product. So what kind of marketing do you commit to, Patrick, on behalf of the companies on your platform? So, for example, I recently registered on your platform. When Steve's concept goes live, will I get an email saying, hey, everybody, there's a new investment for you to consider and it's this, go check out the page? Sure, good question. So, so we do a few things, Joe. Um, email marketing is our, is our main marketing channel. Um, there's, there's a few ways that works. We do a Monday mail out that's, that's quite general. You see new pitches that have launched on the, on the website and pitches that have recently hit their minimum funding target. Um, there's a Tuesday mail out that's tailored and we try to include all the companies that are currently live. And then there's a, an algorithmically driven one that goes out on Thursdays. So with that one, we hit investors who've previously invested in businesses similar to yours. Um, and then secondly, we, we target investors who've, who've uh, dwelled on your pitch page when they've been logged in. We view the investment journey on an online marketplace like ours, much like any e-commerce journey. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and our job uh, as the platform is very much to nudge uh, investors along that, that journey from awareness in a company to decision to invest. Because um, it's much like any buying journey, the difference being that what you're purchasing is, is an investment product rather than a, you know, a physical product. Why would anyone bother to invest just 10 pounds if I could get an alert anyhow? I mean, I doubled my money, I made 10 pounds. Uh, it seems like more effort than it's worth. Yeah, so, so I think some people, some people click and follow a pitch without investing just because they're curious and they wanna see how it goes. Um, I think there's an element of behavioral economics here, right? Uh, people, uh, people like to see social proof before they make a decision. No one wants to eat in an empty restaurant. Mm -hmm. So um, momentum is very important to a, to a crowdfunding pitch. And what you'll notice is once you get closer to your funding target, um, more and more investors come on board more organically. Mm -hmm. um, and that's often those people who followed. They're curious, but mm -hmm. they want to see, see others before they're willing to follow and, and make an investment themselves. Right. It's kind of like unless you're getting close to 75%, this probably isn't going to happen. So why bother? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's an element of that. Um, it's, it's, it's very much... I think like any investment, uh, I mean, if you look at what happened with Bitcoin last year uh, or, any, or any big surge in, in the stock price of a company, once people start buying, it starts sort of a, a snowball effect where other people start buying. Um, so uh, I think it's just a, it's, a, it's about the way people think. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I guess people like to think they're taking a risk with investments, but they're actually quite risk averse. So they want to see other people taking a risk and that makes it seem less risky to them. Okay. Uh, before we conclude, I have two business model questions for you, Patrick. Uh, the first is um, when an, a company approaches you and you list them and they may not hit their target, so they raise zero funds, are you paid nothing? 
or do they yeah, owe we, you for having had the privilege of being on your platform? No, so we take it, it's a success only model. So we don't take any fees unless unless the, the, the fundraiser is successful. So if you must be quite concerning then for you to let someone be on there. It would be a waste of your time and talent and your you know intellectual capital reaching people and saying, go check out this and that if you don't think it's better. Yes, yeah, I mean, so we've, we've looked at different approaches over the years, Joe. So for a while, we, uh, we, we ran everything by an investment analyst team and uh, were quite discerning about who we allowed on and who we didn't. What we found was, uh, in terms of percentages, that didn't really affect the success rate um, because uh, the fundamental thing that makes a difference to whether someone will succeed in, in, will succeed in, in equity crowdfunding is not just uh, how good the underlying business is, but how well they understand how to market the opportunity to people. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think, you know, this is, this is when you get into the, the, the question of, you know, investment philosophies and stuff like that. If you look at stock markets, um, most, most, uh, most brokers don't, don't beat ETFs or index funds, right? Um, so our position is, okay, we're the marketplace. You know, you can look at us like a, a NASDAQ or a, or a FTSE 100. Uh, we're happy for you to list. It's the decision of investors whether or not this is a good investment. We're not investing mm -hmm. on balance sheet ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, what that means for us as a business is we have to be quite lean in the way we approach uh, getting people to list on the platform. Um, so a lot of the due diligence is carried out once the once the company hits seventy five percent of their of their funding target, actually, which which we know is a tipping point for for success. Um, so the average investment uh, on Crowdcube is about eighteen hundred pounds mean. The median's uh, about half of that. It's about 950 pounds, 900 pounds. This digs into the deeper question, which is what's the point in crowdfunding as opposed to, you know, just raising from venture or angels, especially if you have a good business. And, um, you know, I guess this would be our sales pitch. But, you know, if you look at, if you look at the way uh, the internet has changed uh, what we do, we share everything, right? Uh, there are different levels of collaboration. So, so on, a, on a very high level, um, you know, we share things on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. On, on a deeper level, we collaborate on things uh, like open source software. Um, you know, Bill Gates famously lambasted uh, Linux uh, in its early days, in, in the early 90s. Uh, it, it now underpins most of the apps, uh, mobile operating systems, and internet web pages that we, that we use day to day. So there's massive power in, 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 collaborative, uh, in collaborative efforts. And, uh, and for a business, getting three or 400 investors on board isn't just about the money. It's about how can we leverage this group and work with this group to build something together. What we know is if you give people skin in the game, um, then they're way more motivated to do things for you. And, uh, and it's quite fun to feel that you're part of something. You've got a little stake in a business and you're helping them build it. That makes a world of sense to me, Patrick. And I'll go further and say that I can't imagine that in 10, 20 years or perhaps much sooner than that, crowdfunding will very much be as accepted as any other uh, way to finance a company. Um, everything seems to be moving in that direction and it seems uh, wonderfully on trend. With that, Ed, would you summarize your experience with Crowdcube so far and what you hope in these uh, next couple of weeks on the platform, perhaps some things that other investors might consider when they're looking for financing options? Sure. So uh, the way we uh, chose to go with, uh, with Crowdcube in the first instance was that we had seen that there were a number of companies broadly defined in the science and technology space who are raising money this way. So we were encouraged. And we uh, put together our campaign and put, the, uh, put it onto the platform privately, during which time we raised about 50% of the amount of money that we were looking to raise uh, that 400,000 pounds. Wow. 
So we've been live for 12 days and we're now already at 68% of our total. And we think that with the remaining 18 days to go, that we're in a pretty good position to at least achieve our target. If you would summarize for us about your technology, what it can do and what types of uh, people that you believe you'll reach uh, using Crowdcube so that they can either be potentially new customers or people who help you achieve your goals. Sure. So the Annex Ray technology is a platform technology that generates what's called low energy X-ray. And this is X-ray energy that can be used to sterilize or otherwise irradiate ATMPs, which are advanced therapeutic medical products. Uh, the, again, one of the important things about sterilization today and advanced uh, therapeutic products is that they are made in very small quantities. To be able to sterilize very small quantities efficiently on site and on demand is what our technology is all about. Um, one of the analogies that we talk to people about is the idea of when uh, computing used to be done by mainframe computers. These were large remote facilities that had massive processing capacity. That's kind of what sterilization is like today. Our technology is going to be small standalone machines that can sit in a laboratory or a research and development facility and can be used to sterilize small quantities as and when they're needed. What's also important about that is that we think that this technology will help to accelerate the development of other products and com other companies that might come to raise money on crowdfunding. So that's one of the key reasons that we're talking to you to expose your network of contacts to what we're doing, but also what crowdfunding is about. We think NX-Ray is a really interesting, exciting uh, technology to bring to the life sciences industry because there hasn't really been uh, a, a logical change in the way that products can be sterilized. And this is a really important aspect of how new products get developed. Even very large companies like Johnson & Johnson or Medtronic, when they build and design a new product, they themselves start looking like a startup company. So even the startup businesses and the really big companies would all benefit and then everybody else can benefit from having these new technologies brought to the market more quickly. So our pitch to people is that by investing into NX-Ray, you're helping a much wider number of companies develop much more innovative products that can help society. I think you have a great concept and I'm excited to share it with my network. Steve, Thank let's you. hear from you. Um, Tell us about your concept and why people who are involved in medical devices now make for interesting prospects for you or potential collaborators. Just looking at the, the UK alone, for example, there are uh, around 800,000 wheelchair users in the UK alone. Um, so the, the, there, is, there is undoubtedly, even within the Crowdcube community, there is undoubtedly going to be some of that community for whom our product is very relevant and an area in which they have some expertise. Our concept, our product is, it ticks all the boxes in terms of the, the medical benefits that it brings to users. But more than that, I think it's such a fantastic looking product. It's an immediate eye catcher and it's something I think is, down the years it has been so easy to get people engaged in the product because it looks so different than everything else that's out there on the marketplace. It does have many unique design features that, that actually um, getting people to the product in the first place is actually, we think, quite easy for us because of the way that it looks and the way that we've branded it. 
It sounds exciting. I wish you a lot of luck. You've got an innovation now available at a third its previous price. Good luck to you, Steve Ryan. You're the one who brought us all together today because yours is the platform that uh, these gentlemen are using to make their uh, dreams a reality. How would you let those on the call uh, know about Crowdcube in a sentence or two and about why they should consider you for their alternate financing needs? Sure. So, um, yeah, firstly, I'd say uh, I think uh, both Carbon Black and NX are really exciting products. I think what Carbon Black are doing that's really interesting is is looking, I guess, at the fashion side of being a wheelchair user, right? Uh, wheelchairs are often seen quite functionally, I think, probably often designed by people who aren't actually wheelchair users themselves. Um, but when you're a wheelchair user, it's, it's a part of your uh, your day-to-day -day life. And uh, like an item of clothing, you want to make sure it looks good. And, and that's what they're offering. And, and that's actually uh, you know quite an emotional driver that um, I think means it will be a very successful product. Um, with NX Ray, um, I think the opportunities that it, it presents for companies to collaborate and innovate more, more quickly um, means it's, it's uh, from an investment perspective, uh, one of those smart ones that's maybe you know, the picks and shovels in a gold rush. Uh, we're going to see a lot happening in, 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 in med tech uh, and a big acceleration in areas like stem cell re research. And anyone who helps to facilitate that process is, is going to be a winner. Um, as, as goes for Crowdcube. Um, you know, our mission really is to, to democratize uh, early stage equity finance. We want to offer the opportunity to invest in, you know, the next unicorn company, um, you know, the next Facebook or, you know, in our case, companies we've raised for, the next BrewDog or Revolut. Um, we want to offer people the opportunity to take a punt and, and put some money in and, and, and see the same returns as, uh, as you know, uh, a Mark Andreessen or, or a Peter Thiel sees. Um, and, uh, and that's a really fun thing to be able to do. Um, so yeah, come along, check out the platform. There's always lots of cool businesses raising money. Um, invest aware, capital at risk, um, and uh, have fun. What a great call and a pleasure to see you all today. Patrick Ryan from Crowdcube, Steve Ryan, no relation, from Carbon Black Systems, Ed Capabianca from NXRay. I'm Joe Hage from the 350,000 member medical devices group. Thanks for watching. <laughs>